Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Light in them. I, I enjoy my family quite a bit. Skylar shares things with people that she thinks are funny because she delights in comedy. My, my youngest daughter, Kennedy, she's one and a half. She shares with me things too, but it's usually like a soggy chip that's been in her mouth. That's what she likes to share with me. Um, she, maybe she has a passion for food, I don't know. Um, but anyways, so this week, Melissa and I, we got to go to Skylar's school uh, because all of the students in her class, they had each individually written a book. And they, they were going to present them to their families. And so all the kids, they brought out their books and they, they read them to their parents. And we got to see all of the stories that all these kids wrote. And uh, I believe that all the stories, they were about something that had happened to them. So one kid's would have been like about a family vacation that they went on. Uh, you know, maybe they went to the zoo as a family or something like that. Skylar's story was called A Mauvais Journée which, if you don't speak French, it, it means a bad day. And so it wasn't about, except it wasn't about a bad day that she had. It was about a bad day that I had and that she thought was really funny. So uh, her story, her story told about a time when I made dinner and I burnt pizza in the oven. And uh, then after we had dinner, it was a movie night and uh, I made popcorn and I spilled an entire bowl of popcorn on the floor. And uh, so while I'm hearing all of these nice stories about these cute little families in her class and all the fun things that they do uh, in, in their families, they're hearing about my bad day, burning pizza and spilling popcorn. Uh, but this is what Skylar finds funny. This is what she delights in. And so she shares it with the people that she knows. And today we're talking about sharing what we delight in. We're talking about as, as followers of Christ, we are called to be his witnesses. And when we delight in Jesus, we will share about him. Today we are continuing in our series called Disciple. And this is the, the second to last sermon in this series. I'm sad that it is coming to an end. But uh, in reality, it is not necessarily coming to an end, as our hope is that this series shapes how we do discipleship here at Renaissance. So over the past few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been exploring six identities that make up disciples of Jesus. So six characteristics that, that all followers of Jesus should possess and should be growing in. So I'll, I'll name them for us. As, as disciples of Jesus, we are worshipers. We are family members. We are stewards. We're servants. We're witnesses. And we are students. All of these are identities of followers of Jesus. And so over the past month, what we've been doing is we've been going more in depth into how we can grow in each one of these areas. And we're also seeking to challenge one another to grow more in our relationship with Jesus in each of these areas. Again, today we're going to be talking about being witnesses of Jesus. 
So let's talk about that, that word witness. It's interesting, we don't really use this term very much as Christians. We, in, our, in our culture, we know it a lot in the legal sense, right? Being a witness in court. If you see a crime, you're brought in to testify about what you saw, and then you are a witness. As Christians, though, uh, maybe we're vaguely familiar that it has to do with sharing the gospel. You know, you might say, I witnessed to someone. And then you might not even use those terms, but uh, we understand that, that witnessing probably has to do with sharing the gospel. And if that's what you know, uh, that's not a, a bad starting point. But I suspect many of us here would not say that it is our identity to be a witness. If we had to, to do a word association with being a follower of Jesus, the word witness is, is probably not in our top five, is it? I want to, uh, to help us challenge that perspective today because we see that in Scripture, it is being a witness is what we are called to be. Let me begin by reading this from the, from the book of Acts. This is Acts chapter 1. We're mainly going to be camped out in, in the book of Acts for today, so I would invite you to open your Bibles there and follow along. Uh, the book of Acts, if you're not familiar, is the beginning of the early church movement. So it starts with Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And then it continues as the church expands and as they share Jesus about Jesus with those that they encounter. So we're going to start reading at, at the beginning here. This is Acts chapter 1. And these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. It says this. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or season, seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in, all, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is so important for us to see. We may not have much of a, a framework for what it is to, to be a witness, but what Jesus is saying here is that the very reason that we have the Holy Spirit is so that you will be a witness. That is the purpose that we've been given the Spirit, is to be witnesses to others about Jesus. I wonder if you've ever thought about that before. Being, being a witness should be a part of our identity as disciples of Jesus. That's what he says here. In fact, the, the primary way that the author of Acts describes followers of, uh, of Jesus is by calling them witnesses. And so whether or not we're familiar with this concept or not, we need to see ourselves as witnesses because the Bible does. So what is it to be a witness? That's what I want us to, to explore with our time together in simplest terms, being a witness has to do with sharing what God has done and is doing in your life. Sharing what God has done and is doing in your life. Let's explore about what that means a little bit more. First thing I want us to see is that being witnesses of Jesus, we testify to the resurrection of Jesus. 
being witnesses of Jesus, we testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Let's go back to the book of Acts here. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2. What we see in Acts 2 is that the, the Holy Spirit is poured on to the, uh, out on the believers on the day of Pentecost. And so who, those who are gathered are together. It says that they receive the Holy Spirit. This is what we, we just read. Jesus had promised this in Acts 1. It is delivered in Acts 2. And what is the purpose of this again? What, what's the reason that they receive the Holy Spirit? It's so that they would be witnesses. Thank you. This is the whole title of this sermon, being witnesses. Um, yeah, so, so what we see is that the, the believers begin to proclaim the gospel to people. They begin to, to preach to people. They begin to share with others about Jesus and what he has done. And we come to Acts chapter 3 and 4. And, and there's a story of two men, Peter and John. These are disciples of Jesus. And so Peter and John, what we see is that they're on their way to the temple in the morning. They come across a man who can't walk. This man is laying at the gate of the temple, and he's asking for alms. He's asking them for a donation. And Peter says to him, he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I have, I do give to you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter and John, they lift up this man, and he begins to walk. It says he began walking and leaping and praising God. And so what we're seeing here is the power of God at work in his people after the resurrection of Christ. God is working through his people in powerful ways, and it results in the praise of God. So everyone, they, they see this, and they start marveling. They're like, how did they do that, right? right? How, do they, how do they even do that? They're amazed at what they just saw. And so Peter and John, what do they do? They begin to preach again, right? They, 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 say, they, they say, if you're wondering how this is done, understand that this is not from our own strength. No, this is the power of God. God did this. And you would think that this would bring joy to people. You would think that after witnessing this, people would begin to turn to God. What we see, though, is the backlash that they receive from this. It says, the priests... And the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of, from the dead. That's what they're doing. They receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It works through them to heal a man and they begin to proclaim what God has done and what he is continuing to do. They proclaim the resurrection and the power of God that is now at work within them. Remember, this is what witnessing is. It is sharing what God has done and is doing in your life. We see this begins to upset people. It starts to upset the religious people, the people that claimed to know and follow God, those who, who should know the power of God. And yet, even as they see and hear about what has happened, they do not recognize the work of God. I wonder if you, you recognize the work of God in, in your life today. You know, the other day we, we were here and, and we prayed for Ore as he was in the hospital with a sickle cell crisis. And before the service ended, we got news that he had been discharged. That is, that is the power of God at work. 
God is using people in this church to, to serve selflessly, giving them purpose to their lives. God is using people in this church to be financially generous to those around them in need. God is transforming a group of men in this church who struggle with sexual sin and lust and is renewing their hearts and minds through an accountability group. For those who are here today, you are surrounded by people who have had their lives completely transformed by the power of Jesus. People who have gone from loving their sin to now hating it. And that is a miracle, right? That is a change of heart that can only be attributed to Jesus, for he alone changes hearts to love him. Let me suggest, if you are finding it hard to share about what God is doing in your life, it may be because you don't recognize what he's doing. Maybe you made a commitment to Jesus a long time ago, but that has long passed, and you struggle to see how he's working today. Maybe you're holding on to sin, and he's not working because you won't let him. Maybe you're distracted by the things of this world. Maybe you're focused on your own good works, being good enough, and not focused on what God is doing. Being a disciple of Jesus means that we give our whole lives to him, not just part of them. And as we do so, he works to change us because he is alive and working. We need to see that today. That is what Peter and John were testifying to. That's what made the religious people upset, the resurrected Jesus. And that power being alive and at work in and through them as disciples of Jesus. So how is God at work in your life today? And is it worth sharing? What happens next here? Peter and John, they get arrested. And they're brought before the courts. They're called to testify, to be witnesses of what has happened to the man who has now been healed. And they ask them this question. They say, by what power or by what name did you do this? Pause there just for a minute. I want to remind us, what was the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So this power has just worked through them. They are now being questioned about this power, and we should see that it is for the purpose of being a witness, to testify what Jesus has done and is doing. So what do they do? Again, Peter and John, they double down on their claim. They witness to the rulers of what Jesus has done and is doing. It says, it says Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom, whom God raised from the dead, by, the, by, by him this man is standing before you well. Again, the disciples testify to the power of the resurrected Jesus. Likewise, for us, our faith is rooted in the truth of the resurrection. This is what we see throughout the whole New Testament as the disciples bear witness to Jesus is that they testify to the resurrection of Christ. This is vital to our faith that God is raised from the dead. A dead, a dead God cannot still be working today. 
Our faith rests on the empty tomb, the fact that Jesus is alive and working in and through us. Paul says it in, in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. Our faith rests in the resurrection of Jesus. And as witnesses, we testify that he has been raised. Otherwise, there is no power working within us. And so with our lives, we testify to the resurrection. We live out transformed lives by the power of the Spirit. And by our words, we testify to the resurrection. We share that Jesus is alive and working in those who put their faith in him. So being witnesses of Jesus, we testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Next, being witnesses of Jesus, we are compelled to share. Being witnesses of Jesus, we are compelled to share. Let's stay here in Acts for a minute. Let's keep reading here. Peter and John, last we saw there before the courts, and it says this in verse 13. It says, now when they saw the, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So they recognized the power that is in, at work within them. It says, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of all, because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. We see here that it is a, as a result of recognizing what Jesus has done. The disciples are compelled to share. They don't share because they must. They share because they can't help it. Even in the face of adversity, when threatened not to share anymore, they say, we can't help it, we're compelled to. They say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. You see, the power of God is working, as working in you is irresistible, and those who experience the power of Jesus can't help but speak of what he has done for them. They testify of what they have both seen and heard. 
Church, if we truly understand what Jesus has done for us, then we will not be able to help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Maybe you're here today and you need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for you. The gospel tells us that at one time we were all spiritually dead, unable to, to make ourselves right with God on our own. We opposed God and his way and hardened our heart to him. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus came to make us right with God. Christ came to pay the debt for your sin. Jesus came to redeem sinners to himself. He came to those who didn't deserve it, who were rebelling against him, and he came to give them new hearts to love him. He did so by dying on the cross, by facing the wrath, the, the wrath that we deserve for rebelling against God. God poured out his wrath on Jesus for your sins. Jesus died that day on the cross. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. And this proves that not even death could hold him. This means that nothing in the world is too big for God because he is alive. He has conquered death. And God promises to give the Holy Spirit to those who will put their faith in Jesus as the only way to be reconciled with God the Father. That means we don't put our hope in anything else. We don't put our hope in finances. We don't put our hope in success. We don't put our hope in what others think of us. We don't put our hope in any of those things because they will all fail us. But Jesus never will. His life bears witness that he is alive and working in and through his church today. And so we are called to be his witnesses, to go and to share what he has done and what he continues to do in our lives. And this isn't news that we can just be neutral on. We cannot hear this and be apathetic towards the gospel. It is news that compels us to share because it is good news. In fact, it is the best news. If you delight in Jesus, then you won't have to be convinced to share the gospel. You will do so because you find joy and satisfaction in him. Just like you don't have to twist Skylar's arm to tell you what she finds funny, she will tell you. And likewise, the gospel is good news for us to delight in. So being witnesses of Jesus, we are compelled to share. Finally, we see being witnesses of Jesus, we testify to the world. Being witnesses of Jesus, we testify to the world. I want us to, to look back at the beginning of Acts again for a minute. Again, we see the, the final words of Jesus to his disciples before he would ascend into heaven. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This message is meant to be taken to the ends of the earth. This message that started out with a few hundred followers has reached you. And the way it reached you was that disciples of Jesus were witnesses. They witnessed as they received the power of the Spirit. They witnessed as they shared with others what God has done and continues to do in their lives. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are now a continuation of this movement to reach others. Romans 10 says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is one of the reasons that we support missions at this church. We are a church plant that has uh, planted a church in this city. And we pray that soon we would be able to plant more churches because we want the gospel to reach this city. We want the gospel to reach this country. And so we support a church planter in Newfoundland who is seeking to, to, to reach people in St. John's. And we want the gospel to reach the world. And so we're connected with a missionary in North Africa who is seeking to reach the Berber people there. I spoke with him this week and he asked for prayer for the believers there to be united. There are disciples of Jesus all around the world, from people in your neighborhood to people across the globe. And they are able to have new life in Jesus because someone was a witness to them. Someone shared what Jesus has done and what he continues to do. And there are many more people that need to hear this message. And so whether that's your neighbor, your family member, your coworker, or someone far from here, we are called to be witnesses of Jesus. Maybe you're wondering, how does, how does all this fit into discipleship, right? How, how is this connected to discipleship? Let me suggest this. Begin by testifying about how God is working in your life. What is God doing in your life? If you cannot answer that, maybe you need to surrender your life to him. Maybe he's not working because there are things that you are holding on to. How is he growing you? Share that with people. Witness to what he's done and is doing in your life. Share that with your discipleship group and share that with those in your life who don't know Jesus. And then come back to the church for encouragement. What about when being a witness is hard? How do I share when it's uncomfortable, when I'm mocked, when it feels like no one's interested? God is aware of the difficulties of being a witness. Christ himself was crucified for the message that he came to share. Scripture records many examples of trials that the disciples face for being witnesses to Christ. I had a member in an interview with someone the other day, and we were talking about how hard this is. It is difficult to share our faith. It is hard to share when it seems like no one cares or that you're going to be made fun of or whatever it is. I struggle with that. I'm sure many of you do as well. Let's turn back to the book of Acts, though. We see that the early church faced real persecution for sharing their hope in Jesus. And so let's go back there to see what they did. If we look back at Acts 4, this is right after Peter and John were released. They were in front of the courts witnessing about Jesus and the power at work within them. And they, they're, they're let go after being warned not to share again. They're told, do not share this message. And they were, they're threatened. And this is what it says. It says, and when, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they go to, it says they go to their friends, right? And when they heard it, they, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage <clears throat> and the people's plot in vain? 
<coughs> Excuse me. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your threat, the, the, their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Look at what they do. After persecution and threats, they come back to the believers. They get together with the believers. They share what that had just happened to them. And what else do they do? They pray. Let us pay close attention to what they pray. What does it say here? Their prayer centers on God being in control. That he is completely in control of everything around them. It starts off, sovereign Lord. In other words, the God who is in control of all things, who made heaven and earth and everything in them, the God who created absolutely everything. The entire universe is in his hands. Everything in this world exists because God allows it. They speak of the rebellions of the, the authorities on earth, so they, they, they bring to God their struggles. They say, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they talk about the, the issues that they face. And they say, Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the people of Israel, gathered together against Jesus. This opposing threat of the, all of the rulers of the world against Christ. But is this out of God's hand? No. It says that they gathered to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God is in control. In fact, God planned this on the darkest day as the Messiah Jesus Christ walked toward his death as he was beaten and mocked, spit on, ridiculed, betrayed by his disciples, handed over to the courts, sentenced to his death. It was all a part of God's plan to step into earth, be rejected by men, be nailed to the cross, face the wrath of God, be raised from the dead, and offer forgiveness of sins to all people who put their faith in Jesus. God is in control. And this is what the believers remind themselves of in the midst of hard times. They come back to the sovereignty of God and they ask him for more boldness to go out and continue to witness. For the experienced power of the Spirit is worth the trials that we face. Be a witness because God is in control of everything. If you are teased, if you are mocked, if you are frowned upon, if you're persecuted, it is all because God allowed it. But he is in control. He is with you. And he has been through much worse. Know that if you are rejected for being a witness, you are in good company for Jesus was too. 
and it brought about the salvation of the world. And so remind yourself of what he has done and is doing in your life, for you will be compelled to share. And when you share the gospel, come back to the church. Let us pray together for boldness. Let us remind one another that God is completely in control and let us delight in his goodness for us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. 